The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the first inaugural episode of the KyberCast. Uh, my name is Joe Becker, and I am with my good friend. Uh, my name is Michael Diaz. How's it going? Good, Michael. I'm, I'm so happy to start this with you. Um, been itching to do a, a podcast uh, consistently for a while now. I know you've you've done one for quite a bit, so you're the you're the senior in this uh, <laughs> adventure. Yeah, but no one listened to mine. Oh, we all listen. There were there were people that listened. <laughs> We'll get it out there. A little bit about the KyberCast. Uh, we've been talking about this for a few months now, and we want to do something slightly different. We want to try and give you uh, a fun episode um, within 30 minutes. Um, we called it the KyberCast uh, initially because um, I come from more of a Star Wars type of background. I really enjoy that. Um, and Michael is is much more versed in many universes. And having... You know, Michael here is going to be so much more we can add to the show. So we're going to get into a little, a lot of other things rather than just Star Wars. But to me, the uh, I kind of started with Kybercast, like the way it sounded. We'll always go back to Star Wars on a few things simply because that's what I'm good at. Um, and I think uh, it'll be kind of fun. Hopefully, we can get it done within 30 minutes, uh, so you guys can listen to it. Uh, Michael, what do you think about that? What's your what's your hopes for the show? I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to defer to you right away in that you are much more of a Star Wars expert than I am. I mean, I, I definitely know more than the you know the layperson Star Wars fan, but you're, you've gone so far as to read uh, some of the novels and whatnot, where I think my only real exposure of the extended and expanded universe are some of the Darth Vader comic books. So when it comes to other geek things like comics and uh, you know TV shows and whatnot, I think I got you covered, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. In spades. Um, but with the inaugural episode here, we're going to kick it off right away. Uh, Michael had a fantastic topic in light of everything that's gone on in the last three to four years in the world of Star Wars. And that is the the new episodes, the 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 new trilogy, as we would say, and, and some other one offs. I'm going to have I'm going to actually have Michael introduce what that topic is, because I think it, it came from him and I think it's a it's a really good one. Well, I, basically, it just came down to this. Um, is the new trilogy, the new Star Wars movies, are they iconic? Just That's simple as that. Question. That's the question. And you know what? I, I thought about this a lot since we've been um, muttering around this episode for a while. Does it depend on the age at which you've seen them? Because I've heard, you know, to me, iconic is, I'm on a, I'm, I'm old. I'm going to tell you my age now. It's I'm an, I'm an original trilogist. Uh seven years old when the first one came out and saw it at the theater. And obviously it's become an icon through the years. I, I'm not too far behind you. I think I was uh, four or five when I first saw Star Wars. I, the first one I saw in the theater was Empire. And so, yeah, of course, as a, a young boy, it was very uh, impressionable upon me. So, yes, to me, the original trilogy is iconic. So no did you see Empire before you saw Star Wars? I honestly don't recall. I remember seeing it. I just remember that I saw Empire in the 
in the theater first. I was too young to see Star Wars in the theater. I may have seen it. I know I saw it at some point. I may have seen it uh, at a re-release, maybe around the time of Empire. I'm not 100%. I just remember my first true Star Wars film was Empire. Ah. So, I mean, obviously to us, those are iconic. I don't, I honestly don't know yet. I, I think, you know, there's been a, a big gap in time um, for a lot of people f- from the prequels trilogy. Um, I have kids that, that grew up with that. And it's interesting to me because they, they remember the Phantom Menace way better than I do, like as a, as a positive experience. So say some more about that then. So you, you have uh, three sons, correct? Yeah. Three boys. Three boys. So they're all what? Mm, late teens, twenties, thirties. Yep, late almost thirty, twenty six, and the youngest is nineteen. Um, and I drove so them to the theater. They enjoyed it, right? So they're right at that age where almost about the same age. When so they were around the same age when the prequel trilogy came out, around where we were when the original trilogy came out, right? Yeah, Give yeah. Okay. I would say say so for sure. So is it iconic to them? I, I think so. I think it's something that they relate to their childhood with, you know, and I don't know if that's what makes something an icon uh, as you grow up. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's for discussion. I The, the new films, the, the three new ones, um, I'm still processing them in a way because we don't know how it's going to end. And will the end help it become more iconic? I, I certainly hope so. Right. We All we know so far about the next movie is that the Star Wars or the Skywalker story ends with episode nine that from there on we're done with skywalker that's what we're led to believe yes correct well let me throw this out there so you mentioned age and um yeah i mean obviously it helps if you're younger um i think for a movie to become more iconic i mean not necessarily related but tangentially so i'm a big fan of the original Battlestar galactica which obviously came out around the same time as star wars i was a kid to me that seems iconic I go back and watch it now. It's it's terrible, but yeah, when I was a kid, I loved so. it. But on the flip side of that, what eight years ago, Avatar came out, right? Yep, give or take. Obviously, I was not a child then. I was well into my thirties. When I left Avatar, I thought to myself, "That was iconic. That movie. It must have been seeing that movie. Must have been what it was like to see Star Wars in nineteen seventy seven. Really, you think it was that that much, huh? Yes, not necessarily that the movie was that great, but let's face it, Star Wars, as much as I love it, is not a great movie. George Lucas is not a great director. He's not a great scriptwriter. Whoa, 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 whoa. We won't go too far to that. Actually, Star Wars is Star Wars is actually a, a pretty tight film. It's pretty well directed. Yes, but it's not, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll, I'll concede that point for now. But the dialogue is the a original. Bit, yes. The dialogue, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get too much into it, but the dialogue, I mean, is a little clunky in parts. My, my point is more, uh, Star Wars was such a leap forward in forms of changing the genre. You know, sci-fi was something not taken as seriously back then. And yes, he obviously folded in elements of the old, like, Buck Rogers serials and whatnot. But he took all that and he formed it into something different. And he created, helped create, him with Spielberg and Jaws, helped create what became... Uh, you know, the blockbuster movie. And they advanced technology. I mean, ILM exists because of them. I mean, their, their work with uh, miniatures is fantastic. 
I mean, obviously now they're almost all computer generated, but those first Star Wars movies, the first one especially, what they did with the special effects blew people's minds. So when I mention Avatar, that's what I'm talking about, and that Avatar seemed to change the game. It's, I mean, that's to me, it's still one of the best 3D movies over over of all time. Um, and it may have not been the best story. Yes, there are arguments that it's Dances with Wolves with Blue Aliens. But, I don't know, it, it changed things a lot, in my mind. I, will he continue? Will, will James Cameron continue so, to do so? I don't know, but is I, I'm that, just... Is that what that means to you? Is that what iconic means to you? It changes... Like, to me, what makes the original trilogy iconic is that there's been new language inserted into our culture. There's been new... Um, just interesting thoughts of philosophy introduced into our culture based on many religions and what the force is and all that. No, I, 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 I agree with you. And uh, I'm sorry, you, I, did I interrupt? Go ahead. No, I, I just think, I don't know. I'm trying to find what criteria of iconic is because I don't think like for the new trilogies that are out there, I don't think there's any new myth to add that's been added. There's been no new, um, pieces to the story that I can see so far that have moved it forward as, as part of the icon. It's, it's like an extension of these, of the original three. And I, and I don't know if it's going to be iconic until we get to the end. Like I said, maybe there's going to be some new myth added to the legend that could bring it more into an iconic stature. Um, so I don't know. Do you, do you have to take it all as a whole? You know, I don't know. Let, let me take a riff on what you had said about how Star Wars, you know, has, has given us new language, has had an effect on our culture, and that you're right. So let's let's look at Star Wars for just a minute here. And is it iconic? Well, look, I mean, now we have the whole phrase, you know, may the force be with you. We can take that from Star Wars. I mean, who doesn't remember that scene, you know, when Luke's running, he's flying down the trench, and, uh, you know, Obi-Wan's talking to him, you know, the force will be with you always. I mean, who doesn't hear that? That's that's an iconic scene, you know? Yep. So it has the whole idea of the, may the force be with you. Just that phrase alone, it's now part of our language. So yeah, Star Wars is iconic. But let's, I mean, there's more. And um, yep. But let's, let's, let's look at Empire, okay? The whole, I love you, I know. I mean, that's an iconic scene. That is, in that scene, it's everything you need to know about Han Solo. Yes. To me, that's iconic. And I mean, you can go further than that. I mean, just the costuming of Darth Vader or Boba Fett. I mean, let's face it, Boba Fett is hardly in any of the films. But yet, obviously, he showed up in the uh, Star Wars uh, Christmas special or the holiday special that's much derided. But he shows up in Empire, and every kid I know was suddenly obsessed. Like, who is this guy? He looks so cool. The look was iconic. So, I mean, I can keep going on, but I don't know if you want to throw some in there or not, but there's well, some I examples, think I think. There's so many things in it that have become that over the years um, through design, you know, iconic design based off old um, myths that have been throughout our culture as human beings. I mean, that's where Lucas got that from. There's nothing necessarily new in any of it. It's just a, a retelling of different myths. Oh yeah, exactly. I, even even the Darth Vader costume is just a modified samurai outfit, right? And I, I I think 
though, as I, I'm not seeing, or maybe it's me just um, being more critical as I get older uh, when I watch something, I'm not seeing that iconic feeling in the newer ones. Um, I see nostalgia. I feel nostalgia for sure. Um, but I'm not seeing. 100% nostalgia. You're right there. 100% nostalgia, but you're right. Where's the iconic portion? Yeah, I think together as a whole, the entire series is iconic from prequel to, to now. I, I do think what's interesting, um, like Darth Maul is, is an icon. Like he's in the movie, not very long. If you watch the cartoon series, you know what happens to him when you get into, um, you know, rebels and, um, clone, clone wars, you'll find out about Darth Maul, but Darth Maul, I mean, that's, that's one of the greatest drawn villains I've ever seen. I agree. Darth Maul has about as little screen time as Boba Fett in the original trilogy. But, mm-hmm. I mean, how can he not be iconic? He's basically a Star Wars demon. Yeah, I mean, he's the devil, right? He's, he's the devil. I mean, look at him. He looks like a devil. He's got the horns. I mean, he doesn't have two horns. He has many horns. And, you know, they explain that in a way that's part of his race, blah, blah, blah. But let's face it. The guy is a demon. He is. And what's more iconic than that, really? Dare you say a crown of thorns? What? Exactly. I didn't say that. I said just, you know. The, the horns, but you're right. You're right. He's basically wearing a crown of thorns. I mean, and and it ties nicely because the Jedi, when they die and they come back as force ghosts, as they call them, come on, they're angels. The, the idea of angels and demons these are these are classic, you know, um, classic examples of iconic. Like, I'm going to screw it up. Iconography, iconography, whatever icons, yeah. you know, that we've seen repeated all throughout history. So, yeah, Darth Maul, hundred percent. He's an icon. Getting back to how we started this thing, does an icon? I think I'm, I've taken this as a, a little bit literal, and I think maybe you had an intention of um, when you say icon for these the new movies. Do you think? Did Did you mean like will they have uh, an enduring spirit like the other ones? I think a little bit of both, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's hard to it's hard to say now because we only got two of the three movies out, and we haven't had the decades of time to see how they fit into, you know, our culture, how, how they're part of the zeitgeist. So it's going to be hard to say now, but my gut reaction, you know, right now today is the new trilogy iconic. I don't think so. What about, because do you think Ray helps? Yes, I do like Ray. I mean, I have no problem with Ray or Kylo and, Perhaps this third movie is going to blow us, blow our minds, and we're going to find out something amazing. We don't know. But I don't know. So far, all I've seen is, for the most part, is nostalgia, as you said. And I'm seeing a lot of repetition. But you you, you are in a family with, with daughters, with, with, with girls. So I'm curious if they think differently about The Force Awakens than... To me, my favorite character now throughout all of Star Wars, outside of Luke, <laughs> is Rey. Like, one of the best characters in the, in all of them. Um, so I I'm can just agree curious with that. that like, with, with, um, with, girls, with girls being around, um, do you think it might be more iconic on, a, on that level? 
You know, that's an excellent question. That's not something I had really considered, but I, I, I really can't argue against it because it's a change. I mean, you know, before it is always the, the white savior, right? Which is mm-hmm. prevalent through all kinds of, you know, arts and literature and all that. The white savior is going to help us all. And that was Luke. He was, again, another white savior. Now, I'm sorry, white male savior, I should say. Exactly. Ray is still white, but, you know, she's a woman. So, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So, oh, man, you make a very good point. Ray could very well be iconic. So, I'm going to concede that point to you, Joe. <laughs> I think it's uh, she's definitely a character that people gravitate towards. And I think what's been interesting that I've seen um, is that it didn't matter if a kid was a boy or a girl, they loved that character. And it didn't, it, there was no, she can't do that. She's a girl. And maybe it's a time. It's, it's about time, obviously those of, of that kind of stuff, but she fits so comfortably in the script and so comfortably in the story that it's undeniably strong. I agree hundred um, percent. Just like you. I, th- I think she, Daisy Ridley was perfect in that role. And, I love that she is a strong, powerful character. She doesn't need someone to save her. Um, no. I mean, she's, I mean, but she's also a lot of things that Luke wasn't. She doesn't whine. No. I mean, no. Luke, Luke obviously became a Jedi by the time Return of the Jedi came, and he was all Mr. Dark and Scary Jedi. But yeah. Ray from, from get-go, has been a fighter and a devout believer in the Force, whereas Luke was always full of doubt. So it's a nice counterpoint. Yeah, all the way up until The Last Jedi. He was whining in that. He was. He was. <laughs> he, he's never broke character. That's just his character. That's just who he is. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm just, you know, Ray is a nice counterpoint to that because she's not, she's not a facsimile of Luke. She has her own character. So, uh, you know what? Initially, I was, like I said, I've already said in this podcast, I didn't think the new films were iconic. But I'm going to go ahead and give you that I think that Ray might be iconic. Yeah, I think, I think so. And and what about you know, we have other types of heroes in there. We have uh, a black stormtrooper. We have um, uh, Poe Dameron, who it doesn't matter. We don't in in, in the in the Star Wars universe. I don't you know the Hispanic kind of things doesn't really we don't say it that way. But that's he happens to be that as an as an actor. Um, I find it interesting to me is that I, I never even thought about any of those people as anything other than the characters. Like, um, but if you look back in the history of, of film, those people didn't, they didn't have a chance to, to be heroes or, or be cast as heroes. And, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's, uh, and everything fits so really well. Like they're really well casted for the film. Like, Finn is one of my favorite characters as well, especially from Force Awakens. I think, you know, nobody has been as uh, humorous in the right way as as um, as Finn. And I, I, agree. I find that really refreshing. I find it refreshing, and I don't know if that if that can add to the icon of of what icons to become, of how to to make a good um, science fantasy movie or not. You make a good point, too, on, on Finn, because you're right. You know, I love him as a good, um, oh, I don't know what the word is, but basically he's he's like the, um, oh, shoot, my, my words are failing me. He's he's a good-looking uh, glass character, I guess, for the audience, because, you know, mm-hmm. everything's new to him. He's learning about the universe 
the whole Star Wars universe. So, and again, something I didn't think about, which is foolish of me, you know, being a, you know, white Hispanic male myself, I, I didn't think the effect it would be to finally see someone like Finn take on such a predominant role. Yes, we had Lando in the original. Um, yep. So that makes sense. But yeah, I, I would I would say, you know, maybe if I grew up in a different ethnicity, Finn would be much more iconic to me. Right. Um, just like, you know, I won't go too far into Rogue One, but there's plenty of ethnicity uh, people in, 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 in fact, Cassian's going to have his own television show. And that's a big deal, right? There's, there's, to me, though, what's cool is that it, it should never even be a topic of discussion. And I think that where where I will give Disney kudos is that these people are cast because they're really good, and I, and I don't think it's it's all about just trying to. There, there's some there's some people out there that will say, you know, oh, they're just trying to mix it up because you know politically correct and all that. No, these people that have been casted are great. Oh yeah, and, and they really are very good actors. I'll throw it out to you too. Going back to Rogue One, which again kind of takes us a little bit off the topic, but in casting Donnie Yen was brilliant because it's not just, oh, we need an Asian in this film. Uh, Donnie Yen has you know played many an awesome uh, action character in, in all kinds of different films. Why wouldn't he be good in that? And he was. He was great. I loved him in Rogue One. Oh, yeah. It's phenomenal. So, phenomenal. You know, you're kind of, uh, kind of defeating my point. My, I was pretty steadfast <laughs> that the new films were not iconic. And maybe they are, maybe maybe you're right, maybe age is part of it, maybe just time is part of it too. You know, we have to, you know, yeah. kind of um, chew on these a bit, kind of digest them to see how they are. I mean, again, we still have one more film to go, so maybe it's premature. Yep. But I have to say, I came into this thinking, I'm going to argue 100% that the original trilogy is iconic. Uh, is a prequel tr- trilogy iconic? I don't know, but definitely the current trilogy, not iconic, but you've already made some points that have really made me reconsider my point now. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what kids that grew up with this starting and what they think. And I think they're going to, I think especially force awakens that have, that have brought a lot more girls. I I really, really do. Um, Along with what Carrie Fisher did. I mean, there was a lot of girls that were brought into star Wars then too. And I think this continues it. Um, I think, I think we're going to find it's going to be a lot stronger for younger people as they as they grow up i i will say here as we get towards the 25 minute mark um i will say that what's iconic for me in the prequels is the way that government works and i think you don't really get that until you're older and you watch it and you and you see uh i i won't go too far but when you see how palpatine maneuvers uh his power and gets emergency powers and becomes you know the caesar or the you know obviously the emperor. Um, I can't help uh, tonight. There's going to be a speech <laughs> by, by somebody who's going to try and use emergency powers to do what he wants, but uh, we'll leave it at that. I won't even get into politics, but it's just, it's funny to me that the iconography of what, gov- <laughs> what government has become can become again. You make a strong point. I really can argue against that. Cause you're right. I hadn't thought about that with the prequel trilogy, but you know, cause so many people want to kind of gloss over or go, Oh man, Lucas really made the prequel trilogy exciting when he got into bureaucracy. But you make a strong point that, you know, that's most many times um, 
governments aren't necessarily toppled by you know the tip of a sword. Uh, they're toppled from within, right. just like that. So exactly, you make a good point. I, I encourage people to watch prequel again. Uh, there's some really bad parts, no doubt, but there there's some really good threads that if you can follow the threads, it's uh, the story's story's good. Um, so I'm going to say that we still have the. I'm going to end on. Is it an icon or the new ones icons as a potential? Yes. 60%. We're over the 50% mark, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not going to go quite that far, only because I came in so steadfast that they were not iconic. But you've made some really good points and made me really consider reconsider my position. So I'll give it a, I'll give it a strong 55%. Okay. That, well, that's a good win. I feel like we got over You're on the half uh, full side rather than half empty. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I think that's a that's a good discussion on that. We can always come back to it later um, in another episode if people uh, want to participate. And once we develop our site, and once I get things up and rolling, and we have people that can actually um, chime in through you know comments or something, uh, there's still a lot for me to figure out uh, on how to get these things up and running through all the podcast systems. But we'll get there. Um, let's move on to uh, can DC make it in film. I'm going to let you start because I, uh, you and I have gone around and around uh, with, with Aquaman uh, as a character of <laughs> do you like him or not. And right. It's been a fun little thing. I've always kind of dug him as like this underdog kind of guy that never got much respect. Uh, being a short kid growing up, I always gravitated towards <laughs> these people that were kind of picked on or didn't, you know, aren't seen maybe for their full potential. I think DC, to start this off, has a shot. I think they have a shot to make some good good films i don't know if they can build a universe though you know I think, oh the one-offs are working i'm worried about the universe side of it the one-offs uh yeah let's well okay let's start with wonder woman okay i'm gonna start there only because i know we just mm-hmm. saw Aquaman. i don't want to go too long but wonder woman was, was perfect that showed me right there that dc had the potential to do something really good that they could possibly rival marvel um uh you know, I, I don't want to spend too long on this. Man of Steel, I thought it was a fantastic sci-fi movie, but it's not a good Superman movie. So right. people can argue that back and forth. Um, Batman versus Superman, just League, we, we both know they were not great. So let's not spend a lot of time there. But let's go to Aquaman, the most recent. I mean, it's made all the money. Um, it's I think it has now made more money than Wonder Woman. I could be wrong. But it is now, if not the most successful DC extended universe film. It is at least the second. Right. It's, it's up there. So Wonder Woman and Aquaman show you that, yes, the standalone movies, DC can pull their head out of their ass and actually come up with something awesome. And I say this, I I think I may have liked Aquaman more than you did, and I don't like Aquaman as a character. Right. I think I, I like it better after sitting with it, then, then maybe my reactions at the movie theater, I look back with fond, fond memories of, and I want to see it again. Um, but my bigger question is, can they develop a universe? Do they have to develop a universe like Marvel where everything ties together or can they live on one-offs? I think they can live off one-offs for a while. I, I see what they're trying to do. I mean, they're not the only ones trying to copy the Marvel model now. I mean, now you've got universal with their monster universe. They're going to try and mix uh, Godzilla and King Kong and all that into their shared universe. That's the big right. thing now. Everyone wants to do a shared universe. And people we have to remember, Marvel didn't know what they were doing 10 years ago necessarily. They may have had an idea, but they they didn't have this grand roadmap that says, we're going to start with Iron Man, and in 10 years, 
we're going to release Infinity War and people are going to be freaking out. They didn't know that 10 years ago. No, their first goal was to get to the Avengers. Correct. Right. They didn't have that goal. They, they knew if that if Iron Man was going to fly, that that they had the plan to go from Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Avengers. That was that was a plan. Yeah, you forgot Hulk. Hulk was in. Remember, Hulk actually Hulk. came out after Iron Man. It didn't do that great, and a lot of people don't remember that. That the, the um, I'm just trying to say the one with uh, yeah, the one with uh, Ed Norton. Ed Norton. That was after Iron Man or before? That was after because Tony Stark shows up at the end. Remember the uh, the sonic weapons they used against uh, Hulk were Stark technology, and at the end, Tony Stark um, shows up to say, "Oh, oh I don't remember that." Yeah. I have to so that. people got to remember, Marvel was not always not everything they touched was gold initially. I mean, yeah, I liked the first Thor. I mean, if you go back and watch it now, okay, it's it's not the strongest film, but again, Marvel did something that I didn't think was possible. They made me care about Thor when it first came out. So, right, all right. I have to say, Marvel has not been perfect. Yes, they had the right director. They had the right director for that. Kenneth Branagh turned it into a Shakespeare. It was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was good. But, I mean, you compare it to what Marvel's doing now and what they're putting out, it's it's night and day. But they, they started strong and just got stronger and stronger. DC tried right. to create their shared universe right off the bat. They're like, all right, we release Superman. Boom. Let's bring in Batman immediately. And then, oh, now let's bring in the Justice League. Let's bring in Wonder Woman. They, they, they tried to go too fast. Marvel, but they made a mistake. They didn't get they didn't get somebody to oversee the tone of all of them, like 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 they have with Marvel. Well, they kind of they were kind of almost letting Zack Snyder doing that do that because, but he's I like Zack Snyder. Okay, some of what he puts yep. out is fantastic. Uh, I love Three Hundred. Okay, yep. I loved it. Um, I actually really liked The Watchmen. I thought it was really good. But those are both dark, dark subjects. Superman should not yeah. be dark, in my opinion. I think the universe can be dark, but he shouldn't be. And I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay right. with that. I mean, Superman. I mean, Superman really should be DC's Captain America. I was just gonna say the same thing. I mean, like the the Marvel universe, it's pretty dark in some spots. But if if anything was going to fail, it was going to be Captain America. That that, that is the hardest character of all of them. And they did it because uh, it's. And they did it. They did it with flying colors and figured it out. What they needed to do, they they in the DC time, if they're going to make it, is they have to figure out Superman to be somewhere in between where it's written now and where Christopher Reeve was. Yes, and I don't know where that medium yes. is, but you can't do the seventy. You can't do seventies camp with Superman. No, that's half the problem. Um, but it's got to be something, and I don't know if where that is. And I I don't read enough comics in DC. Um, but everyone that I have read, like Kingdom Come and like that, he's still a basically a stoic, non like we don't know what his character is, right? We only know the fake Clark Kent, you know. Um, and, and maybe you're tighter to it than I am, and I think that's uh, uh, what might be missing. I don't. Well, know. I think the best thing, the best description was that he has to be whole, wholesome, but genuinely so, not cheesily so, and that's what Marvel was able to pull off so well with Captain America. In that he is, I don't think he needs to be wholesome. I think he needs to be principled. I'm good with that because Captain America is principled. Yeah, principled in that he will always do the right thing. Yes, even if it looks like he's doing, even if it looks like he's doing the wrong thing, even if it's against what the rules are. But Captain America does 
the just thing. Right. And that was proven in Civil War. So we're getting a little off base. I think I'm talking a little bit too much about Marvel. But can DC get there? I think Wonder Woman and Aquaman are definitely steps in the 100% right direction. But can they undo what they've done with the damage with Suicide Squad, with Batman or Superman versus Batman, with Justice League? Those are huge missteps. I'll give you Marvel had some missteps. Uh, Thor The Dark World was a misstep. You know, The Incredible Hulk was a misstep. But uh, they weren't as big a missteps. Like I said, right. even though a lot of people deride Thor The Dark World, I actually still kind of like it. But I like it myself. But. So do I. But many people thought it was a misstep. Now, it wasn't a huge yeah. tumble like Justice League was. I mean, Justice League didn't even make what Suicide Squad meant made so no so well they didn't nobody invested in in those characters i mean we you know what they need you gotta really explain um cyborg like that's just an odd like i don't think many people know who that is anyways like in the general pop i would agree with you on that unless you were a kid growing up watching teen titans you probably don't know who cyborg is or you're a huge adherent to the comics other than that i mean outside of that he's not hugely known so Basically, what DC needs, I think, is their own version of uh, Kevin Feig, Kevin Feig, however you say his name. Yeah. They need someone like that. They do. They do. I don't know who that is. They're going to have to figure it out. I think um, they have a chance to figure it out. They have certainly got uh, people thinking about Aquaman as – it's interesting because it took Iron Man, a a side character in Marvel that was was not very popular, actually, and that built that whole universe. would be interesting to see if Aquaman, a side character in the DC, could could actually – build something it'd be it would be fun it, it, actually to be honest with you they should build it around wonder woman period <laughs> i agree and we'll see we'll see when wonder woman 1984 comes out but i, I have a lot of faith yep. because i thought the first wonder woman was perfect it was other than the the villain was terrible well yeah but you know marvel suffers from from weak villains too so well, except for Thanos. Well, yeah. Then finally, when it matters, they get a really good one. <laughs> Thanos and uh, and Loki. Loki, yeah. Loki was a great villain. He's a great villain. Yes, he is. He's great. He is. He is. He, he's great because it's, it's sometimes great. he's a villain, sometimes he's not. That's what. Yeah, it's perfect. Exactly. He's. I don't want to say human because he's a Asgardian, but he's a real character. Cool. I think that's a good a good first uh, take. I think we're gonna we're gonna ride this out, and on the next episode, I think we're really gonna get into Aquaman. I'm gonna try and see it again before our next episode. Um, I think we'll do a full review of Aquaman, what we liked, didn't like, and then um, we'll go from there. Michael and I will be working on the uh, topics. Um, Michael, I, I thank you. I can't tell you how much I'm, I'm happy to, to do something. I love doing this stuff. I, I, I'm glad that I, uh, I found somebody that's excited to do, to do this. And I think this cool little technology might work. It helps us uh, do it remotely. So we don't, we don't have to take a big time away from everyone else. Why, why do I feel like you're trying to kiss me at the end of our first date? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, this is a lot of fun. I love, I love talking about geek stuff. So I'm looking forward to doing more. Cool, man. Thanks. Uh, we'll see you guys soon. We're we'll hopefully do this. Um, I think we said what biweekly, Michael. Or are we doing trying to do every week? What are we gonna do? Let's do biweekly. Let's see how we can do with that first. Cool. We'll try and get it done biweekly, and uh, get it out there. And I will figure out uh, the rest on um, soon. So, thank you all. Hope to see you soon or listen to you soon. Thanks for listening to the KyberCast. We'll see you again next. See time. you next time. <laughs>